Welcome to the weekly podcast, recorded live at Glory City Church, Brisbane. We hope you are blessed by this week's sermon. Daddy, we love you so much. We love you so much. Father, thank you that you are always so happy to hear our voices, that you're always so happy. Lord, every time we lift our eyes to you and look to you for help, you're so happy to show yourself strong on our behalf. Thank you for your faithfulness, your consistency, your kindness, your overwhelming goodness, unchanging, unfailing love. God, I pray for every person listening tonight, Lord, that you would so supernaturally impact their heart with revelation of the truth of how good you are, how much you love people. Lord, we're asking, Holy Spirit, that you'd stretch forth your hand to heal and do signs and wonders and miracles in the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, if you turn in your Bibles with me to 1 Samuel chapter 30, hallelujah. You know, I really believe uh, this is a prophetic word for a lot of people, that this is the story of David uh, at Ziklag. And he had had been doing it really tough. He was 29, I think, at this stage, uh, just a young man. And yet he had been rejected by Saul, he had been hunted, he had been rejected by the Philistines, He, he had been... Uh, just experiencing so much rejection. And, you know, I relate so strongly to this. When I was uh, 29, 30, you know, that was the year, historically, we see Joseph came into his ministry, Jesus came into his ministry, David came into his ministry. And back when I had been 23, the Lord had said, in your 30th year, I'm going to begin to release you into ministry. But the year I turned 30, that year was the worst year of my life. And everything, even what I had, was taken away. And and so I really relate to David at this place. However, when I read about what he was going through, I I begin to look in hindsight and think, hmm, I think maybe I I really didn't, didn't quite have it as difficult as he did. They were literally trying to kill him not just one person, but multiple people. He and all his, all his people, all his men had been marching for days and then been rejected by everybody. Finally came home to Ziklag to discover that the entire city had been burned, all their wives and their children and all of their possessions had been taken away. Let's just read it here, 1 Samuel 30. Now it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag attacked Ziklag and burned it with fire and had taken captive the women and those who were there from small to great. They didn't kill anyone but carried them away and went their way. So David and his men came to the city and there it was, burned with fire and their wives, their sons, and their daughters had been taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. Have you ever cried to the point you have no more strength left to cry? 
I have. And, it, you know, they, these guys were already physically exhausted and came home. Can you imagine coming home to a scene like this? And David's two wives, Ahinoam, the Jezreelitess, and Abigail, the widow of Nabal, the Carmelite, had been taken captive. Now David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. It's quite an amazing statement. I mean, they had just been through so much. They'd all lost everything. And so now their natural reaction was, who can we blame? And they thought, right, we'll make David the scapegoat. Let's, let's have someone to pour all our anger out on. And it made no logical sense to pick David, but let's just blame the leader. And they began to talk about stoning him, killing him. This is, this is a bad day. There is no one left. There is no family. There is no friend. There was nobody he could call. No one to pat him on the back and say, it's going to be okay. No one to encourage him. This was about as bad as it gets. And yet it says, David encouraged himself in the Lord. He strengthened himself in the Lord his God. You know, that's the most amazing, glorious thing. When you look at that and then realize it was very soon after this that he, he went and he recovered all, hallelujah, and then he was crowned king over Judah. He was supernaturally promoted. The promise that had been long awaited came to pass. But right before that, it was really dark and it was really hard. And you know, I really believe that even prophetically, there's a lot of people who have, have right now a choice to either give up, complain, and throw a tantrum, or to get deliberate and say, Lord, I will strengthen myself in you. Even if no one is encouraging me, even if they feel all alone, I am going to put my hope in you. You know, when you come to that place and you discover that you can find what you need in him, you've got, you've got it for life. And that you go, I have, I have him. And any time difficulty comes, you have that already seared into your soul. I have the one I have the one that no one can take from me, hallelujah. When we learn how to discover him as the one who provides all of our needs according to his riches in glory, and that's real, that's not just a nice saying, it's not a scripture just to make you feel better. All of your needs, that's emotional, spiritual, financial, sp physically, there is Everything you need able to be found if you go to him and ask him for help. I do this. I talk to the Lord and I tell him what's going on. This is how I feel. This is what's going on. This is how I feel. David did that in the Psalms. It's okay. You can do that. Verbally processing with God. You can be real with him. You don't have to be religious and say, okay, Heavenly Father. And, and he wants you to talk to him in a real relationship where you say, Lord, this is how I feel. Listen to David in the Psalms. He says, oh, why did a wicked prosper in their way? 
but he talks it through until and has a conversation with God until the Lord puts hope in his heart. Hallelujah. And in the same way, I talk to the Lord. I tell him how I feel, but then I also wait in expectation to see how he is going to encourage me, to see how he's going to, to help me. I, I ask him deliberately after I've talked to him about all the things, and there's a lot of things. <laughs> I talk to him about all the things, and then I say, sometimes I'll, I'll just look in expectation that he'll give me an encouraging word, or can you give me a chapter and verse? In fact, I don't even say can you, I just know he will. Give me a chapter and verse. And you know, I do study the Bible systematically. I'm reading through the book of John at the moment. I love systematic uh, reading of the word, but I also like to snack on it. And I'll ask him, Lord, just lead, show me where to read. Give me a word of encouragement. Show me what to do, remind me, help me, and he'll remind me of his promises. So I just wanted to talk you through a few of the practical ways that I actually intentionally strengthen myself in the Lord because I don't want this to be a word that you read or a message that you hear and go, oh, that was good. I want it to have hooks that you can grab a hold of and say, I'm gonna do that in my life today. I'm gonna do that in my life tomorrow, amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So how do we strengthen ourselves in the Lord? Well, for me, often one of the best ways is worship. I, I'm a words person. So when I, um, when I hear really good lyrics, hallelujah, when I hear worship that makes me remember how good God is. When, when I think about revelation of what the Lord's done, my heart responds in worship. The Bible says that the Father is looking for worshipers who worship him in spirit and in truth. That is those that respond to the Holy Spirit revealing truth about the Father and the Son, enabling you to spontaneously <gasps> respond in worship. Go, oh, that's right, you're so wonderful. And often really good lyrics in good worship does that, helps me to do that. And, and I, I, I'm a, a romantic, so music and words like, oh, Daddy God. You don't only have to start thinking about how much he loves me and I start to cry, hallelujah. So worship is a really, really powerful tool to help us connect with God. But I have been in, in places, in times, emotionally, where I haven't even felt like I can do that very easily. I went through a, a period in my life, and it was actually just before I turned 30, where I was seriously depressed. I had a lot of really awful things happen in my life. In fact, it seemed to happen on so many fronts. And then I had my uh, baby boy, and then on top of that, I had serious postnatal depression that I didn't even realize was postnatal depression. It was just like it'd just carry on from the horrible year I was already having. And it got, I got so low that I got to the point of, what do you do when you're not allowed to commit suicide? That's how I felt. I'm like, well, that would be really bad. I don't know, maybe you've got to help. Probably you don't. But I was like, I can't do that. You know, I've got children, I, I can't do that. So what do you do when you can't even do that? 
And I didn't, I wouldn't see people. I would do my best just to avoid anybody because I was down low, low, low. In fact, I had some friends who knew how low I was knock on the door one day because I wasn't answering the phone. I didn't answer the door. And so they slid a CD under the door with a note on it, post-it note saying, listen to track five. <laughs> so I put it on. It was a, um, I think it was Hillsong United Pursuit, early days, and um, there was a, the track was more. I wanna know you, you are all I want. I wanna know you more. I'm listening to this song, that's all it says, it goes over and over. And I sat, I sat there and I went, God, I want to want to. I want to want to know you more. I don't even feel like I'm in the place where I could honestly say I'm desperately hungry for you. I am just so low, God, I, but I want to want to. Do you know what? Honest prayers are really powerful. And as soon as I said, I want to want to, his presence came. I just began to cry. His presence filled the room. And I had a whole day of the Father just loving on me, embracing me, encouraging me. So worship is a really, really powerful, powerful thing to do. Getting up and coming to corporate worship where there is people and everybody together worshiping the Lord. There's another level of um, corporate breakthrough that you can also ride on when you're in a hard place, hallelujah. So worship's a really, really powerful, powerful way to strengthen yourself in the Lord, amen? Another way that I seek to intentionally encourage myself in the Lord is by developing daily reading in the Word of God, just daily, systematically. I don't always just say, Lord, show me chapter and verse, because if you did that, you could you know, be a bit like Russian roulette sometimes if you're not hearing right. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So we have to be a bit intentional. Prophetic people can be like, yeah, what is it, what is it, what is it? But, and I, I do that, I gotta admit, I do do that, hallelujah. But I've also learned that it's really important to just systematically have a discipline where you read through, like I like to read epistles in a whole sitting, like I'll read the book of Colossians in a whole sitting and just read it as a whole letter and then I'll work through it chapter by chapter, story by story. I'm, I'm in the Gospels at the moment, just going through. It's taking me so long to get through the book of John because there's so much in every story. I, I spend a week or more in every story about the Lord in the book of John. And, and so that's a really powerful way to do that. In fact, I make a really intentional time of spending my time with the Lord. I have a philosophy that Everything you do should be involving fun and joy and, if possible, food. Hallelujah. And so for me, my, my time with the Lord every day normally involves a cup of tea, maybe a piece of toast, possibly chocolate. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hannah Lee's been giving me some healthy chocolate. I love you, Hannah Lee. I ate it today a little bit. Hallelujah. But I do, I set it all up. I've got my little, I get my music, get my music playing, 
I've got my journal, pretty journal, hallelujah, my nice pen, my Bible, my very nice Bible, hallelujah, praise the Lord. And I turn my light on, I've got my chair, I might be, or I might be in the sun. And so I create this environment which I am looking forward to being in, hallelujah. So it's not like, oh, I need to, I need to have my quiet time. It's like, this is my intentional happy time, hallelujah. I still have to fight for it because the enemy works overtime trying to give you every other idea of something that seems like it's important to do rather than spending quality time with the Lord because he's terrified. He is terrified because the Bible says those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Hallelujah. They'll mount up on wings like eagles, run and not grow weary, walk and not faint. Hallelujah. So I have to fight for it. In fact, I carve it out in my calendar and I, I'm intentional. When people say, oh, can we have a breakfast meeting or can we have this? I'll be like, no, I already have an appointment. Hallelujah. And it's normally after my own breakfast when I've had time to actually have a coffee and wake up. Hallelujah. Send the kids off. Then I have my time with the Lord. And I, I systematically work through the Word of God. And then I, I'll write down things that the Lord is saying to me. And then when I go through a difficult time, I'll often be challenged by the Lord to go back to past journals where I faced similar situations and the Lord has given me a dream or he's given me a word or he's given me a revelation and I'll look at that and remind myself, thank you God, yes, I remember. That was so encouraging, hallelujah. But it takes discipline and it's an important thing that we discipline ourselves to take care of our, ourselves, to take care of our gardens, hallelujah. I travel on a lot of aeroplanes and they always tell you, if oxygen masks fall from above, put them on yourself first and then put them on others. And as a mom, you, I always think, I think my first reaction would be to put it on my kids. But the truth is, if I tried to do that, maybe I would fall unconscious before I got it on all three, you know? <laughs> so in the same way, the Lord wants us to be very diligent and disciplined to feed ourselves on the Word of God, to, to be unapologetic. Some, sometimes, you know, as ministers, or as, as parents or, or leaders, we can almost be deceived into thinking that helping other people is more noble. But if we don't prioritize our own time with the Lord, instead of seeing it as a luxury, we will start to coast on the gift rather than overflow with the love. Hallelujah. And I've had to learn this. This is more important than anything else, hallelujah, and I have to fight for it. Praise the Lord. You know, I like to talk to him, I, I process with him, but then I also, you know, I, I, need this, I need this solid quality time with the Lord, but I need three meals a day and snacks when it comes to God too. I know he's with me all the time, but I need to take breaks during the day just to Remind myself of what he's saying, just to get some encouragement, to go and have a hug, hallelujah, to let him minister to me. You know, the Bible says in the book of Proverbs, wisdom is calling, has laid a table and is inviting us to come. Anyone who'll come, come and eat from my table. 
Wisdom, the lady wisdom in the book of Proverbs is a representation of the Holy Spirit inviting us, the spirit of wisdom inviting us to fellowship, inviting us to eat. I need to eat physically more than once a day, so I need spiritually more than once a day. I need to eat. So often I will take five minutes just to close the door in between meetings and get on the floor and go, okay, spirit of wisdom, I'm just here to have um, a taste from your table. And I'll expect that he'll give me something. And it's amazing, the good ideas that come. Wow, I wasn't even thinking of that. What an awesome idea, God, hallelujah. He's so smart, our wonderful Jesus. But he's also, in the word of God, like you think about Song of Solomon, chapter five. He's the bridegroom knocking at the door, saying, let me in. And it's an opportunity, an invitation for us to open up some time in our schedule when it seems perhaps inconvenient, like it was for the bride who said, I've just washed my feet, I'm comfortable. If we will make some intentional time to open up our our schedule, even if it's two minutes break, just to say, God, I want to experience your affection. I want to just hold your hand for a minute. I want to lean my head on your chest and I want to hear your voice. I just want to have a hug. I want to receive your love. I want to love you. Oh, I love you, Daddy. Thank you that you're here. Hooray. Hallelujah. It might sound unusual, but I tell you, that's what relationship looks like. He is longing to comfort you all the time in all your trouble. In fact, the Bible says he is our ever-present help in time of need. And my time of need is all the time. And the more I recognize that my time of need is all the time, the more I will intentionally go and receive help. If I don't acknowledge I need help, then I won't go and get it. But if I acknowledge I need help all the time, even when I'm having a really happy day, I need, I need some more. And he delights to give it because his desire is that we would continuously overflow. And to continuously overflow, we need to be continuously receiving. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Now, another way that I like to strengthen myself in the Lord is to go over prophetic words that have been spoken over my life. When I was going through this really difficult season... I mean, I was afraid to even be alone with my own thoughts because they were so dark. And so if I I was going to be alone cleaning the bathroom or whatever I was doing, I would put some good teaching on. And I would, so that I didn't have the opportunity to just drift off and, and start partnering with the lies that were coming to attack me. I was in that place. That was one thing I knew to do is actually deliberately try to fill my mind with what was pure and lovely and edifying and, and, and encouraging. You see, we're told to take captive every thought that exalts itself against the knowledge of Christ. But after taking it captive, recognizing that's bad, not having that, we need to fix our minds on things above, things that are pure and lovely and of a good report. And so for me, that looked like feeding myself with truth, feeding myself with good revelation. Hallelujah. In those days, it was cassette tapes. 
Praise the Lord today for podcasts and YouTube. You can just have anything at the touch of a button. For me, I had to go find a bookshop and rent cassette tapes. <laughs> and I would play it and I would listen to it and I would feed on it. Hallelujah. Now I'm able at the end of the night, we put the, the audio Bible on, on a sleep timer and it just plays for 10, 15 minutes the word of God before I go to sleep, filling my mind with good things. But you know, you have to fight for it, hallelujah. There is going a war, a war going on for your thought life. And the Father wants you to fill it with truth, hallelujah. Fill it with things that are pure and lovely and of a good report. So I would really, I would battle, and it, it was a fight. And I remember even, um, there were so many things that were done and so many things that were said that I had a lot of people to forgive. And at nighttime, I'd be very tempted to be writing speeches about what I would like to say to these people. And it seemed to be every night, the enemy would come and start to lure me into speech writing. <laughs> and it was terrible. I wasn't sleeping. And I'd go, I'm trying not to think about this. And, and then I'd have uh, the enemy saying, oh, you, you don't forgive them, and that is terrible, and you're not in forgiveness, and if you don't forgive them, you won't be forgiven. <laughs> and <laughs> torment. So I decided I've had enough of this. And I, I got a piece of paper one day, and I wrote down all the people that I was forgiving. This is what I forgive, this is who I forgive, and this is what I forgive them of. And I wrote it all down in detail. In faith, believing that because the Father had unconditionally forgiven me, what I had received, I had power to give. Even if emotionally I was still in turmoil, I believed by faith, I have, I've received forgiveness. So praise the Lord, it's my good pleasure to give what I have received. By faith, I can give it to them. I wrote it down, I forgive them, I forgive them. And I put it in my drawer, in my bedroom. And the enemy had come at nighttime, ah, you haven't forgiven them. Maybe if you said this, maybe then they would come and repent and they would apologize to you and then everything would be better. Oh yes, if I could just say that. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? It would just be so much easier if they could understand what they've done and then, and then it would be so much easier to forgive them if they'd even just acknowledge what they'd done wrong. <laughs> then I'd remember, thank you God, you forgave people before they ever acknowledged they'd done anything wrong. So thank you God, you've given me the grace to, to forgive like you forgive, hooray. So when these voices would come, I would get up in the middle of the night, in the dark, go to my bedside table, go to my dressing table, drawer, I'd open the drawer, pull my piece of paper out, and I would tell the devil, fairly quietly so I didn't wake Tom up, I already did. I already forgave him. I'm not talking to you about this anymore. And I would think about something pure and lovely. I'd think about, Lord, you promised me fireballs would go out over crowds and paraplegics would get up under your anointing and the quadriplegics would dance and celebrate and yell with joy when they were healed. I look at that. I thank you for it. Thank you, Daddy. Thank you, Daddy. And I'd go to sleep. You know, I really believe the Lord wants us to grab a hold of his promises and to wage war with them. The last scripture I want to show you tonight is from 1 Timothy 1.18. Hallelujah. 
Praise the Lord, our faithful God is so kind. And the Lord tells us, he tells us here in 1 Timothy 1.18, wage warfare, therefore, my son Timothy, with the prophetic words spoken over you. That means we actually have a part to play in prophecies that have been spoken to us. We have a part to play when the Lord has spoken things to our hearts. You may have received a promise from him that wasn't prophesied by someone else, but you know he spoke it to you. He's confirmed it to you. You know that he's promised this to you. You know that he's given you those desires and, and that he wants to see it come to pass. So you can wage warfare with it. He wants you to pick it up and say, thank you, Father, you said you know, I was so intentional to do this. I'd, I'd pick up the promises of God when I was feeling so discouraged and I'd say, you said, God. You said I lay hands on the sick and they will recover. So that's gonna happen. I thank you, Lord. And I became uh, warlike in my determination. It was like Elisha picking up the mantle of Elijah going, where's the Lord God of Elijah? I was intentional in saying, you said, God, I believe it. So thank you, God, it's gonna come to pass. Thank you, Lord, this is happening. God's asking you to pick up the promises of God and begin to go to war. Hallelujah. You know, I believe that there's, even as we've heard the prophetic words today, that there's a new season. I believe that there is an invitation to go to war with the words spoken over you. There's an invitation to say, you said, Lord, and I believe it. So thank you, Lord. You promised it. You who have purposed it, you will also do it. Hallelujah. To get up, to shake off the dust, Sometimes for me, I would actually get on my treadmill because for me, if I'm getting discouraged in one place, just sitting there, it's like, is it good to get up and move? I'm gonna just like, right, and physically move, right? And I'd begin to, okay, you said, you said, God, you said it. This is gonna happen. And the more I'd move, the, the easier it would become to go to war, hallelujah. So I'm just sitting in my room, it's like, oh, I'm tired, I feel discouraged. <laughs> Whatever it takes, God wants you not to become a victim, but to recognize that what the enemy is using against you is your opportunity to turn into good. God is looking for you to take what he's the enemy's throwing at you and to sow it in faith saying, God, thank you for double recompense. Thank you, this is gonna look really good and I am not gonna fix my mind on what the enemy is doing. I'm gonna fix my thoughts on what you've promised and this is gonna be really good, hallelujah, because you are faithful and I thank you when you are for me who can be against me, hallelujah. <laughs> Wonderful Jesus. <laughs> I think it's time to go to war. And war doesn't have to be a scary, hard thing. You know, I've seen the, the miserable intercessors, like, oh, we, we, we have to fight Jezebel, you know, we have to do this, we have to, like, stop it, stop it. Hey, I'm serious, like, oh, do you know what the devil's doing? I like Reinhard Bonnke. He would, he would go into a really dark place in Africa and some people would come to him and say, can you feel the oppression, Brother Bonke? He'd go, I only feel Jesus. 
<laughs> and so I believe that God wants us to intercede. But he wants us to intercede from a place of victory and power, knowing that he's already won the victory for us, that we can wage war with the prophetic words spoken over us, that we can wage war with the promises of God, not with detailed understanding of the demonic, but with great, powerful laying hold of the promises and the purposes of God not being unaware of the enemy's strategies, but being more focused on the victor and the victory. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Here ends the word of the Lord. Hallelujah. Actually, it doesn't end. It goes on and on and on and on. It goes. Hallelujah. Because it's quick and active and powerful. Hallelujah. Now we're going to pray for some people in just a few minutes and then we're going to eat. Manja, manja, manja. I'll get this right. But before we do that, if you're here today and you know in your heart you haven't responded to the invitation that the Father is giving for salvation, that is something every one of us is invited to do. And without a response, the mercy of God, the goodness of God, the forgiveness of God is left and we are left alone. God is so longing for us to respond to him and say, thank you, Father. Thank you that you sent your son, Jesus. I acknowledge I have need. I have need of your forgiveness. I have need of salvation. I want you to come into my life and make me new on the inside. If that's you today, I would love for, to give you an opportunity. And the Bible says, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father who's in heaven. Hallelujah. And I want to give you that opportunity today. If you're here and you say, yes, I want to respond to Christ. I want to make a deliberate choice where I cross a line and say, I am, I am responding to God and I am going to give my life to Christ. I'm going to receive his forgiveness, his gift of eternal life, and I'm going to come into fellowship with him. Because when we do, it's a relationship that will strengthen you, that will hold you like no person ever could. Hallelujah. And it's for eternity. If that's you, would you just wave your hand at me? I'd love to pray with you before we go any further. Is there anyone here that says, yes, I want today to be that day? Let me see your hand if that's you. Hallelujah. Well, praise the Lord. Just with these last few minutes we've got left, I'm going to just invite Mark and Daniel and Nate. Hallelujah. We've got so many people here who could prophesy that um, I could pull up a thousand people. But um, Sarah, you want to come too, darling? Are you happy? Yes. Right. Whether you are or you aren't, I encourage you to take the tools that I've been talking about today and do something with them because it will change your life. 
It'll change. Who knows and understands what I'm talking about? Give me a big wave if you know by experience. <laughs> Yay. Who never raises a hand no matter what the question? <laughs> that would be Tom. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we love you. Papa. Thank you for joining us. If you would like to partner with us in spreading the gospel to the nations, you can do so via our website, www.glorycitychurch.com.au. We would love to hear from you. If you have a prayer need, please send us an email at info at glorycitychurch.com.au. We would also love to hear your testimonies. You can email these praise reports to info at glorycitychurch.com.au. God bless.